This has been a strange morning. You, <laughs> I don't even know. We'll just see how the day goes, all right? Turn with me in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. I decided to not wear the jacket because I do not want to distract from the Word. And, and that, yeah. And I'll be honest, that, dra- that jacket's so loud it distracts even me. Uh, we're going to be in Colossians chapter 3. We're going to read verses 1 through 17 today as we continue in our study of, of uh, the theme of refocusing. And if you are able, please stand for the reading of God's Word. The Word of God says this. It says, Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are of earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Therefore, consider, yourself, consider the members of your body, your earthly body, as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. And in them you also once walked when you were living in them. But now you also put them all aside, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self and its evil practices and have put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. A renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian and Scythian, slave and free man, but Christ is all and in all. So, as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone. Just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, in which indeed you are called in one body, and be faithful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Please be seated. Have you ever had someone say to you, you know, you're really something else? Depending on how you say that, it can mean a lot of things. If you said, you know, you are really something else. That could be a compliment. But if they said, you know, you really are something else. That's probably not a compliment. 
In fact, most of the time when we say that someone is something else, that's usually not a good thing. I would have to say in my own world, there has been the occasional time where I have walked in the door um, from being somewhere. Maybe I was at work. Maybe I was doing ministry. Maybe I was just out in the yard and I will get confronted with that kind of statement. You know, you're really something else. And all I can think is, what I do? And I don't know about the other men in the room, but on more than one occasion, I just want to say sorry before I even figure out what I did. You know, you're really something else. I'm sorry. I don't even care what I did. I just want peace. And when we think about that and, and, and what that means, I want to ask that, like, what if that was a good thing? What if someone said to you, like, you know, you're something else, and they meant that in a positive way, that it was a good thing, and, and that something else was exactly what you were supposed to be. Exactly what you were hoping for. Exactly what you were striving for. Exactly what you were intended for. What if that something else was what God created you to be? And what if that something else that you are is the very thing that people need to see and experience in their lives? See, in our passage today, Paul is writing to the, the church in, in Colossae, and, and they, they, they were something else. And they needed to be reminded that they were something else. And this something else that this church was, it was, wasn't something odd or, or weird. It wasn't something annoying or, or, or quirky. It wasn't that they had done something wrong or that they had disappointed Paul. Instead, Paul is reminding them that God has done a work inside of them. And because God had done a work inside of them, they ought to proudly display to the world what God has done. He wants the church in Colossae, to remember that they are something else, to live that something else out and wants other people to see that indeed these followers of Jesus are different. As we continue down the discipleship process of Tunnel Hill Baptist Church and what it means to be a follower of Jesus and how we as a church are trying to follow Jesus, I think it is good and beneficial for us to really dive into what Paul is saying in this passage. Because as we look in this passage, we are reminded that we are something else. That you are something else, if indeed Christ is in you. We need to understand that. We understand who we were, who we have become if we are in Christ, and what that means for how we live and how we treat others. So let's begin to pick apart this passage a little bit. And I want to start at the beginning and, and talk about kind of where we all start, kind of who we all are at First, if we go back to uh, verse 7, if you look back at that, it says, And in them you also once walked when you were living in them. Well, what's the them and what is he talking about? 
And he's talking about what is this thing that we've walked in and we've lived in, and we find that in verses 5 and 6. He says, Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passions of evil desires, greed, which amounts to idolatry, that because of these things, the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. See, this thing that that all of us started at and this thing that all of us either are or at least were is, is these ideas of living in immorality and impurity, passions and evil's desires, greed and idolatry. And because of this, we're considered sons or considered children of disobedience. Now, we kind of frou-frou that up because we're using the Bible, right? And so we call them, because of that, you were considered sons of disobedience. We can simplify that and say, you were snot-nosed kids who didn't obey your parents, specifically your heavenly father. That's what we, that's what all, I want to think about this for a second. That's what all of us started as. Children of disobedience, disobedient children, deserving to be punished, deserving the anger of God and the punishment of God. You might say, well, what, what, did, what did I do? What did we do? He tells us. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, abusive speech, lying. These are all words, the things that we do with our mouth and things we do to other people. And he's saying, listen, all of you, he's talking about the church in Colossae, he says, all of you used to be like this. Now, does that mean Colossae was a horrible, horrible place? No. It was just like today. And in fact, the people in the church in Colossae would have been just like us. All of these things make up who we are because of sin. Now, you may want to say, and I don't blame you for wanting to, to say like, hang on, preacher. That's a little harsh. You didn't need to just kick off the whole sermon with a bunch of name calling. And just come right at me. I think that's a bit much. Hey, you know what? I think I'm a pretty okay guy. I'm a nice guy. People tell me I'm a nice guy. People generally like me. I don't think it's very wise to just come in here and start accusing me of being angry and greedy and, and, and impure and, and, and having a bunch of slander and malice. And, and you're, Are you calling me a liar? I think in the grand scheme of things, I've done a, been a pretty decent human being. That's fair. Let me ask you. Have you ever told a lie? Probably. I don't think a single person in this room had to be taught how to lie. My kids learned how to lie. I didn't have to teach them nothing. That was basic survival skills, apparently. You ever had the kid in there getting into something they're not supposed to be getting into? Trying to tear open the frosting tub on the counter? And you say, hey, what are you doing? They say, getting a banana. (laughs) I'd have to teach her how to lie. She knew that what she was doing wasn't right. And so she found something. She thought, well, surely my dad won't tell me I can't have a banana. She didn't know. I, I already knew that bananas weren't wrapped in foil. See, we think that's the question. Have you ever told a lie? We have to say yes. 
You ever been envious of someone else? Even as a child. You ever go to someone else's birthday party and they get the present that you've always wanted? And so you go pout in the corner? Is that just me? I still do that. Sometimes Liz gets some really cool stuff and I just go sit in the corner and be like, I never get anything. You ever made fun of somebody? Gossip behind someone's back, told things that weren't true because you were angry? You ever been mad at somebody and so you thought of the meanest thing you could possibly say? Because not because it was true, but just because you wanted to hurt them. I have. See, these things that Paul tells the church in Colossae that they used to be, I used to be. And I think if we're really honest, all of us would have to admit that we used to be too. Used to be too. See, this sin issue that Paul is addressing in this passage, it's a universal issue. I'm not saying it because I know something particular about you. God did not give me a word about who you were. Praise the Lord. Can you imagine if the Lord just told people how you really were? I would be unemployed. But sin is a universal problem. To the reason Paul could write these things in here and and talking about these things to the church in Colossae is because every single one of us has a sin problem. We are sinful people who actually sin living in a sinful world. Romans 5.19 kind of talks about this a a little bit and and it starts by saying this, says, for as though the one man's dis, for as through the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. See, that's, that's the reality of our collective situation. When we go back to the very beginning, and we go back to Adam and to Eve, and, and Adam and Eve had, had everything they wanted, and they, they didn't know sin, and they didn't know any effect of sin, and they were given one rule. Don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And thanks to Satan, who was revealing himself as a serpent, they disobeyed God and they ate of the fruit and sin came into the world because of disobedience. And because of that, all of us have inherited this same rebellion, inherited this same sinful nature, that we all are sinful by our very nature and therefore we all sin. And that was true of Colossae and that is true of us in this room and that is true of the world with which we surround ourselves. See, everyone you meet has the same problem. It takes different appearances For some, they have a problem telling the truth. Some, some, they have a problem with anger. With some, they they have a problem with selfishness. And and, and it could be a a lot of other things. But the reality is, is behind all of that is the same problem. And that problem is sin. And we try to fix the problem lots of ways. See, we try to fix the problem with money. We try to fix the problem with by making everyone else look worse than us. 
We try to fix the problem by hiding the problem, maybe through religion or some sort of some sort of creation of your own moral code. We try to fix the problem by numbing the pain of the problem, numbing the brokenness that we feel because of the problem. We try to do all of these things to fix the problem, but we can't fix the problem. See, this sinful state is where we all start. And as you look around the room, I want you to understand that every single person here started in that same state. We feel the brokenness. We feel the pain. And I'm sure for at least some people in this room, we still feel like we are in that state. We still feel broken. We still feel in this place of rebellion deserving the wrath of God. And we want to be healed. See, we want to be that something else that Paul is talking about in our passage. We want to be something else. We want to become something else. We want to stop being broken. Well, let's talk about that something else that you can become. In fact, I want to finish Romans 5.19. I want to read it in its entirety. It says, for, for as through the one's disobedience, the many were made sinners, even so through the obedience of the one, the many will be made righteous. See, the one in this passage is talking about Jesus that he came into the world, that he was obedient and he was all of these things so that he might make you something else. Let's look at our passage again and let's look at the very thing that opens this passage. It says, therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, see, your old sinful self does not have to keep on going. But you can actually take that old sinful self and put it to death. To remove it from you, to never be thought of again. And God will give you a new identity that cannot be even fully understood until Christ's return. Verse 10 refers to this new self. That this new self has true knowledge and is renewed in such a way that those old distinctions, those things like Jew, Gentile, slave, free, no longer matter. In fact, instead of being all of these other things that we try to identify ourselves with, we are simply His. Where we were once disobedient, deserving wrath, we are now chosen and beloved, holy, And at the very heart of the word, holy means that we are something else. Simply put, we are in Christ. See, that is the the good news of the gospel in a nutshell, is that, that we are all sinful, broken people, but because Jesus came, we can be something else. And what it says is through the the, the disobedience of one, through the disobedience of Adam, we have all been made sinners, but through the obedience of one, we can be made righteous. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus came and he lived a fully obedient life. He did not sin. He did not rebel. He did everything God called him to do, not so that he could show us how it's done. Praise the Lord. 
If Christianity was nothing more than us saying, okay, we're going to start doing what this guy said instead of these guys said, we would still be in a bad, bad spot. Because I don't know if you've read what Jesus tells us to do, but it's hard. But Jesus and his obedience, he took that obedience to the cross. And even though he was sinlessly perfect, and even though he had never made a mistake, he took the penalty and he took the punishment for our mistakes. And he took our mistakes and our penalty and our wrath of God that we deserved, and he took that on himself so that then he could take that perfect obedience, that perfect righteousness, and he could give it to us. See, this is the good news of the gospel in a nutshell. And this is the thing that takes you from your old self unto your new self is by believing that Jesus is who he said he is. That he did what he said he came to do, that he lived and he died and that he rose from the grave three days later, that you believe these things and that you make him the Lord of your life. Placing your trust fully and wholly in him. And the Bible says that if we do these things, that we become something else. Galatians 3 talks about this. If you'll bear with me for just a second. He says, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed clothed yourself with Christ There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free man. There is neither male nor female. But you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants, heirs according to the promise. This is what the gospel does. The gospel makes us something else. And I want you to understand this. The gospel is not if you start doing these new things, if you start acting differently, that you'll be one of God's children, that you'll be an heir to the the new heaven and the new earth, that that if you get your life right, then you can be a Christian. What it's saying is, is if you surrender your life, if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, then he will make you something else through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then you can be something else. You can do something else because you will, because you are something else else what is this else thing that you are it is the new self you may ask the question okay okay so maybe maybe you're in the room so first off if you're in the room and you are not a believer in jesus christ this is offered to you freely you do not have to jump through some hoops to receive christ you don't have to join this church to receive christ You don't have to pass through the baptismal waters, which is in that back purple thing, to receive Christ. You don't have to become a Baptist. Praise the Lord, you don't have to get a haircut like mine. You don't have to talk a certain way, dress a certain way. You don't have to have a certain Bible translation. You don't really even have to be a part of a certain denomination. You have to give your life to Jesus. And if you will give your life to Jesus... He will make you a new creature. He will make you something else. 
So if you're tired of who you have been and you are ready to be something else, what our message today isn't try harder, it's surrender. And give your life to Jesus. And let Him make you something else through the Holy Spirit. If you are in Christ, and you're asking the question, okay, but what am I supposed to be doing? What does the new self do? The passage tells us. First thing we need to do is we need to realize that we have died to the old self and all that goes with it. One of the craziest things about people who claim to be followers of Jesus is so often we want to keep, we want to have one foot in life, but we want to keep one foot in the grave. And we want to live for Jesus, but we still want to keep the sinful things that led to our destruction. Everything that was mentioned before were things that he told us to get rid of, to do away with. In fact, look again. He says, therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, greed, and, and, uh, which amounts to idolatry. He tells them to, because of this, that, that there's a different behavior. There's different things to this. See, this idea of death is not to say that we actually do harm to ourselves or cause ourselves pain, but rather it means that we have been set free. I want you to think about that for a moment when he says, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to this, these things. What he is telling us is you are free. You are not enslaved to these things anymore. You are not held captive by these things anymore. But you have been set free. Imagine for a moment that you have been chained to the ground. And no matter how hard you pull on those chains, whether it's your arms, your legs, your feet, your neck, your hips, no matter how hard you pull on those chains, you can't get free and you try every angle and you try to treat them like a puzzle and you try to do everything you can to be free from where you are stuck and you can't do it and then one day those chains fall off would you still put the chains up over your shoulder and around your neck and around your ankles so that you could still be stuck in that same place i hope not What are you going to do with those chains? You're going to cast them aside. You're going to throw those to the side, recognizing that you are now free and you can go wherever you want to go and you are going to go and you're going to leave those chains on the floor and you are never going to look back. This is what Paul is calling us to do. That that we are dead to these old earthly things. And therefore we put aside the chains of anger and wrath, malice, slander, abusive speech. And when we have cast these things aside, we are able to now finally put on the new self. The something else that God always intended you to be. His desire is that you become more and more like Him. Look at verse 10. He says, now you have put on the new self who's being renewed to the true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. 
That is God's desire for you. The new self that God intends for you, wants for you, desires for you is to be more and more like Jesus. And just like the chains that we have cast aside, it is now time to put on our royal robes and to put on compassion and kindness, humility and gentleness, patience. These are things that, these are qualities and things that that are not only a blessing to us, but a blessing to other people. See, when we put on compassion, we do not put on malice. When we put on kindness and humility, we do not put on abusive speech or outbursts of anger. When we put on gentleness and patience, we have no room for abuse and harsh words. We bear with one another. We forgive one another. And along with this, we demonstrate love and gratitude and contentment and peace. See, the characteristics of the new self are are all wrapped up in things that we we have heard before and we have talked about before. See, peace and gratitude, unity, all of these things that he talks about as it relates to the new self, these are all things that we have and, and, and we, we see as a blessing from God and, and a lot of them are the fruit of trusting in God. We have peace because we trust in God. We have gratitude because we know that God is the source of all of our blessings. We have unity because we know we have all been saved by God and brought together by God. Along, this, along with this, when we look at compassion and humility and patience and all of those things, see, those are the ways we love the people around us. In fact, we show love to people even when they are different from ourselves, even when they have different opinions from ourselves, by showing compassion and humility and patience. See, in the grand scheme of all of this, the new self and the characteristics of the new self says that we are going to trust God We're going to love God. And we're also going to love our neighbors. We go back to the very core of who we are at Tunnel Hill Baptist Church. We read these words from Matthew 22. Jesus said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and the foremost commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commands depends the whole law and all the prophets. See, this is what God is doing. This is kind of a cool thing I want you to understand. See, God takes people who are far from God, who are in rebellion with Him, who are disobedient to Him, even hostile towards Him. And you may not feel like you are that way, but when we say, no, I'm going to do my own thing, I'm going to go my own way. I'm going, to do, I'm going to do what I want to do, when I want to do it, how I want to do it. When we think that way, that's what we're doing. We're putting ourselves in rebellion towards God. And he takes those people and he makes them children of himself. He makes them adopted children of his own. He gives them the love of a father and, and the inheritance that a father gives the children that he loves, that he transforms them and changes them and takes off the, the, the chains and takes off the dirty old clothes that, that resulted from their disobedience and wraps them in robes of love and compassion. And he fills them with the Spirit so they might do the things that they were created to do, which is love God 
and love people. And so when we think about the discipleship process and what it means to walk with the Lord through life, we recognize that first God does a work in our life through Christ and through the power of the gospel. And then God continues to do a work in our life to make us more and more like Jesus, growing deeper and deeper in love with God the Father and deeper and deeper in love with others so that they too might hear this good news. Now you may ask yourself, how on earth do we do all that? And I think Jesus tells us. I think Paul tells us, excuse me. He says, verse 16, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you and with all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing with thankfulness in our hearts to god whatever you do in word and deed do all in the name of the lord jesus giving thanks through him and god the father so how do we do all these things how do we put on this new self how do we be something else well first it has to start with jesus the first thing we have to do is we have to give our life to Christ. But the second thing we have to do, and it's really a lot simpler than you think, but a lot harder than you think, is we have to be the church. We have to be the church together and be the church apart. See, we have to let the Word dwell richly within us. We have to be in the Word. We have to teach the Word, receive the teachings of the Word. We have to be able to be willing to both admonish and receive admonishment. That's a word that kind of means correction and instruction. I love that this passage talks about singing. We need to sing. We need to sing songs that not only praise God, but also teach us. And teach us what we live for and who we are in Christ and all that Christ has done. We live our lives as ambassadors for Christ, thanking Him for all that He has done. See, the good news about this, the good news is Jesus. But when we think about how do we do all this stuff, the thing I want you to realize is in Paul's plan and the, the thing that God is revealing is we do it together. You don't have to be out there on your own. You don't have to read your Bible always on your own. You don't have to try to be good always on your own. You don't have to figure it out only on your own, but rather He is calling us to come together, to do it together, to live it together, to let the Word dwell richly in us as the body of Christ. He is calling us to walk by the Spirit and to walk by the Spirit as a church. Galatians 5.25 says this. He says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. And that's what we're inviting you to today. If you are with us today and you have never surrendered your life to Jesus, if you are ready to be something else, if you are ready to not only live by the Spirit, but walk by the Spirit, if you're ready to surrender your life and to become something new, then we invite you today to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, to believe He's everything He said He is, 
John 3.16 says it may be best that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that's Jesus, that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Will you believe? And will you make Jesus the Lord of your life? If you are here today and you have done that, but you still feel like you've got one foot in the grave, will you put on the new self? Will you be the church? when you let the word dwell richly within you. As we close our time in prayer, we're going to sing one more song. And if you would like to respond to the message, whether in salvation, giving your life to Jesus, church membership, baptism, whatever it may be, however God is leading you, we want to invite you to respond today. Let's pray. My God, my exceeding joy. Lord, we thank you so much for today. God, we thank you for your word and all that you do. My God, what an amazing hope that we have. Because God, we know because of your word that we do not have to continue living in that old self. Lord, that we do not have to continue in brokenness, that we do not have to continue in those chains. But God, you have set us free. Lord, we just need to only see that and surrender our lives to you. Lord, I pray if there's anyone in this room who, who is still living in that old self, still living in, in death and disobedience, God, I pray that today would be the day that they cast that aside. That they recognize that Jesus, your son, is the Christ who lived a perfect life, who died a sacrificial death, and who rose from the grave three days later. That they will believe and that they will surrender their life to him and make him the Lord of their life. Lord, for the rest of it, God, I pray that you would help us to walk in newness of life. Lord, that we would put on the things that were mentioned in our passage today and that we would, we would trust in you. And God, that we would really be the church, loving one another, caring for one another, getting into the word, teaching, admonishing, encouraging through song. And Lord, that we would be the church that goes out and shares the love of Jesus with thankfulness, knowing that you are good and that we belong to you. God, thank you for these things. And Lord, I pray that you would touch all of our hearts today in the way that we need to so that we would be more like you. God, we ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.